I hope you're ready to follow the leader because God wants to lead you. God has a plan for your life. And as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things shall be added to us. That's his promise. We turn to Genesis chapter 12. Begin reading at verse 1 and reading through verse 9 in Jesus' name. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you All the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord. And he called upon the name of the Lord. Abram journeyed on, continuing toward the Negev. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we thank you and we praise you today for who you are and all that you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through you. And we rejoice in your coming. You're coming to... Bring us to the Father to give us a right relationship with the true and living God so we can follow His plan and purpose for our lives. Lord, we pray that You would teach us now as we look into Your Word. Guide us, we pray. Your Word is truth, everlasting truth. It is in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So when was the last time you played follow the leader, huh? Ever play that with your children? I remember as a young boy playing follow the leader. and The way that we played follow the leader, that you tried to ditch your followers if you were the leader. Did you do that? You wanted to make it difficult so that they couldn't really follow you? My older brothers did that all the time. Tried to follow them, but they always did something that I couldn't do. And it was kind of strange to think of, you know, if they're a leader, you'd think that they'd want someone to follow them. Follow the leader. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is called, really, to follow the leader. And God is the leader that Abraham is to follow. And thankfully, God wasn't trying to ditch him. God really wanted him to follow the plan that God had for his life, and God wants us, too, to follow the plan that he has for our lives. So what is God's plan, and how are we to follow the leader? Well, notice, first of all, that God calls us to leave false gods for the true God. 
As we look at God's call to Abraham, we need to understand that here was a man that came from a pagan background. The city of Ur was a very large and wealthy city that worshipped false gods. Excavations reveal a huge uh, ziggurat, which was kind of like a a pyramid-like structure. And there was a temple on the top where the moon god, Nana, was worshipped. Excavations reveal graves that had large caches of, of gold in them, and there is some evidence that in that city of Ur, child sacrifice took place. Our Kent Hughes says the treasures of Ur tell us that Abraham's social and religious context was as sophisticated and pagan as that of any Babylonian or Egyptian dynasty. He says Ur was desolate and barren of knowledge of the true God. That's the kind of place that Abraham lived. And God called him out of that background. Joshua reminds us of that in Joshua chapter 24, where he is recounting the history of Israel. And he says this in verse 2, he says, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, From ancient times your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. But notice what God did then in verse 3. It says, Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river, and I led him through all the land of Canaan, and I multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac, and then he goes all through the history of what God had done for his people. So for Abraham, it was a call to leave false gods for the true God. They served other gods. And God called him out of that paganism. Is it the same really true for us as well? When we come to faith in Jesus, we don't just add Jesus to all the false gods that we're serving. We turn from them that we might serve the true and living God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul describes what the gospel had done in the city of Thessalonica. He says, Our gospel came to you not just in word only, but in power of the Holy Spirit. And the change that was brought in the lives of those believers was amazing. How they, they uh, became imitators of Paul and so forth. They sounded forth the word of the, of the Lord. And then verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians 1 says, For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. Notice that they turned from idols to the living and true God. John MacArthur says such turning is far more than merely changing one's belief about who Christ is. It is a complete reversal of allegiance. That's what it means to turn to God. You turn away from all the gods that you've been serving and you put your trust and you follow Jesus Christ in Him alone. That's what it means to follow we leave the false gods for the true God. And have, has that taken place in your life? 
Have you left the world behind, left those false gods behind and said, Jesus, I want to serve you and you alone. Follow the leader. God calls us to turn from false gods to to the true God. Notice, secondly, God calls us to walk by faith and not by sight. Those among us who are the planners like to know what to expect if they're going to follow, right? Are you like that? Where you kind of want to know? Now, if I'm going to do this, I want to know where this leads me. I want to know the end result of this. What's it going to cost me? What steps do I need to take? Well, if you're that type of a person, then you might struggle with God's call because God doesn't do that, does He? <laughs> he doesn't give us this uh, uh, road map and says, okay, here's step one, two, three, four, here's where you're going to end up. Not at all. And we see with Abraham's call that in verse 1, God told him to go forth from your country, from your relatives, and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. In other words, Abraham did not know where he was going. In fact, the writer of Hebrews makes that very clear in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, that Abraham obeyed and he went forth not knowing where he was going. Now, we might be tempted to think that that's peculiar with Abraham, but it really isn't. It really isn't. Because when God calls us to follow him, We don't know where that's going to lead us, do we? Any of you know where you're going to be five years from now, ten years from now? Is God giving you this uh, life plan so uh, you know what every step is going to be along the journey? We don't know. And I remember when I was in college and, and sensing God's call to ministry. I had no idea where I would end up. I just knew that God was calling me and I went to seminary. No idea if I'd end up in uh, Africa or Brazil or who knows where. And I ended up in North Dakota of all places. What a surprise, huh? And I look back at my life and I just think, you know, I would not have predicted that I would have gone to the places where God sent me. I had no idea. And so so, uh, the call that God gives to us, too, is a call that we walk by faith and not by sight. And we don't really need to know where God is leading us. We just need to follow Him. Step by step. As God opens those doors and and leads us. That's an exciting way to live, isn't it? When you are serving Jesus, who knows what He has in store for you? So we don't need to know where God's call is going to lead us. We just need to follow the leader. We walk by faith and not by sight. And Abraham needed to walk by faith because he probably couldn't make complete sense out of God's call to him. Verse 2, he said, I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. But Abraham had a little problem, didn't he? Maybe it was more than a little problem, because if you go back to the previous chapter, chapter 11, verse 30, you'll find this statement that Sarah was barren. She had no children. 
And here God comes to Abraham and He says, I'm going to make a great nation of you. And Abraham is thinking, okay, I'm 75. My wife is 10 years younger than me. We've never been able to have a child. How's this going to work? Well, from a human standpoint, it wasn't going to work. And it's very interesting how Paul describes Abraham and Sarah. In Romans chapter 4, we find this statement in verse 18. Paul writes, In hope against hope he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. Another quote from the Old Testament day. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. And look at what Paul says about Abraham's body. His own body, now as good as dead. Since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief. But he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. The fulfillment of God's promise couldn't depend upon Abraham. It had to depend upon God. And because Abraham believed that God would do what he said he would do, he was willing to take God at his word. And we find that in verse 4, So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. All he had was the word of God, but that was enough, right? That was enough. And if you've got the word of God, what more do you need? The promise of God was given to him may not have made sense to him, didn't know where he was going, but God had spoken. And Abraham walked by faith and not by sight. So God calls us to leave false gods for the true God. God calls us to walk by faith and not by sight. And then thirdly, God calls us to proclaim him in the midst of a pagan world. Very interesting to notice what Abraham did when he got to the land of Canaan. The first structure that he built was an altar. I've heard that when the Finns came to this country, the first structure they built was a sauna. <laughs> I think that's true. And the women had their babies in the sauna too because it was nice and warm. But Abraham, he didn't build a sauna. The first structure he built was an altar. Verse 6 says, Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Morah. And then verse 7 says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now that's significant that the first structure he built was an altar. And that was giving public demonstration to those around him who it was that he worshipped. Building that altar saying, this is the God that I serve. This is the God that I worship. And this land is to be given to the worship 
of God. It's interesting, the place where he built this altar was Shechem, which was probably about the geographical center of the land of Canaan. So right in the middle of the land, he planted that altar. And it was by the Oak of Morah. And one author says, The mention of the Oak of Morah strikes an ominous note. Morah means teacher, oracle giver. The great tree of Morah was the place where the Canaanites assembled to hear the oracles that soothsayers received from the rustling of the leaves. So there in the very heart of the land promised to Abram, idolatry was alive and well. Abram had traveled all the way from Ur, which we saw which was a place of idolatry, to find something very similar to home. (laughs) But in the midst of that idolatrous place, the first structure that Abraham built was an altar. As if to say, this land is given to the worship of God, and he unashamedly gave evidence of his worship of the living God. Do you unashamedly worship the living God? You know, we live in a similar culture, don't we? Becoming more and more like Ur, more and more like Canaan. Given to the worship of false gods. Are we going to build our altar? Are we going to right in the middle of the land make that claim that we worship the living God? Is it obvious to the people around you who you serve, who you worship? Do they see that you serve and love Jesus? He built an altar. Second thing he did was to pitch his tent. Verse 8. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and there he built another altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. So we have an altar, and we have... A tent. And those two things really speak of the life of Abraham, don't they? The fact that he lived in a tent says something about the focus of his life. He knew that he was, what, a pilgrim here, a stranger here, an alien here. And listen to how the author of Hebrews describes that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, by faith. Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. And then the writer tells us why he dwelt in tents. For he was looking for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. He was looking for a city that was not a part of this world because he was an alien here in this world. I like what Warren Wearsby says, Wherever Abraham went in the land of Canaan, 
He was marked by his tent and his altar. The tent marked him as a stranger and pilgrim who did not belong to this world. And the altar marked him as a citizen of heaven who worshipped the true and living God. 1 Peter chapter 2 says something about us being aliens, doesn't it? Do you ever feel like you're an alien here, like you don't belong in this world? Do you feel like this world is not your home, you're just passing through? If you feel at home here, there's something wrong, okay? We are not part of this world. Listen to what Peter says, 1 Peter 2, 9. You are a chosen race, if you know Jesus, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And what is the result of that? Look at verse 11. Beloved, I urge you, as aliens and strangers, to abstain from fleshly lusts that wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. A tent and an altar. And that marked the life of Abraham. And the same ought to be true with us. Who do we worship? We worship Jesus, the living God. It ought to be clear to the world. This world is not our home. We are just passing through. Now, if you wonder whether this passage in Genesis applies just to Abraham, let me remind you that this applies to you as well. And Dave read from Galatians chapter 3 all the quotes from the Old Testament. Galatians 3.6 says, Even so Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. And then verse 8 says, The Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. And we know that the ultimate fulfillment of that is found in Jesus. Paul goes on to describe that those who desire or think they can be saved by the works of the law, they are under a curse because there's no way you can obey the law fully. But Jesus came to redeem us. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That promise given to Abraham was ultimately fulfilled in Christ. And that promise that came through Christ then is offered not just to the Jew, but to Gentiles. 
And we're Gentiles, aren't we? We can be saved. We can be called sons and daughters of Abraham by faith as we come to Jesus. Are you following the leader? Maybe you look at yourself and say, I don't have what it takes to follow the leader. You're right, you don't. Neither did Abraham. Neither did David, neither did Moses. None of them did. But God was the all-sufficient God. It didn't depend on Abraham. That promise did not depend on him at all. It depended upon God. And his marvelous, miraculous work to give them a child of promise, Isaac, (laughs) humanly impossible. And through Isaac, the promise one day of a Savior would come. I find it interesting in verses 1 to 3 of the text we read, how many times God said, I will. He's calling him from your, your country, your relatives, your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And your name, and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God said, I will, I will, I will, I will. And he has done it. He has kept his promise. And as you follow God's leading for your life, you can have that confidence that God will do what He said He will do. He will guide you. He will send forth His Spirit into your heart. He will direct your paths. He won't try to ditch you like my brothers did to me. Mean old brothers. God will lead you as you follow Him. Follow the leader. God is the one who wants to lead you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You. Thank you so much for the promise that you gave to Abraham. A promise fulfilled in Jesus. A promise given to us as well because we are aliens in this world. We are strangers. We also don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And we are called to proclaim your name in the midst of a culture that is so much like the culture in which Abraham lived. Oh, God, give us the strength to do that. Help us to stand on your promises that you will do what you said you will do. You are a faithful God. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.